I'm Nikki. And I'm Kirtana. And you're listening to The Chat Room. Okay, let me try a couple of intros and you tell me which one you like the best, okay? I'm excited. Let's do it. Okay, intro number one. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the chat room. I'm Nutty Nikki, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kangaroo Kirtana. Kangaroo? Yeah, like alliteration. Kangaroo Kirtana. I I don't want to be a kangaroo. Okay. Tough crowd. Uh, How about this one? Live from Nikki's closet and Kirtana's car, this is the chat room. Accurate, but not great. (laughs) Yes, I really want our intro to be accurate. (laughs) That's the most (laughs) important thing. (laughs) I only have one more, so this better be the right one. (laughs) Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. This episode is brought to you by nothing because it's our first episode and no one knows we exist yet so we have no sponsorships (laughs) yeah let's quit while we're not ahead (laughs) hey everyone our guests today are parvesh china and sonal shah they both currently voice among other roles the bandits manish and poonam on disney jr's mira royal detective which starting tomorrow all episodes will be streaming on disney now you might recognize parvesh as gupta from nbc's outsourced and Sunil from the CW's severely underrated show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Sonal has appeared in probably all of your favorite shows, from Scrubs to New Girl to Superstore. She's basically like Indian Judy Greer, just kind of pops up everywhere. Solid reference. Thank you. I hope she likes that one. Full disclosure, though, we were so, so excited to talk to them because they're our friends, so the stakes were very, very low. (laughs) Literally could not be lower. So enjoy. This is just audio, not video. This is just audio, so it's, it's just for the podcast. Great, unplugging the webcam. Uh, I shouldn't have put on makeup then. <laughs> Donald, I texted you. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Honestly, though, I feel bad for the guys during quarantine because for me, wearing makeup in the morning helps me feel like prepared for the day. And I'm like, do guys not get to wear eyeliner and feel like they're ready for the day? Like, how are they doing this? Yep, I completely agree. I feel like every day I I have to do that. Like it's if I don't then I feel groggy and tired. My mom's exact words are you look dead. Put on some eyeliner. Oh. Great mom. Thanks, Amma. <laughs> yeah. The, the moms are really fun during quarantine right now. Yeah. <laughs> My mom is like this is definitely the best time to be dating because you could go on four dates in one night. <laughs> Like the pressure doesn't stop even during quarantine. I was like so happy that I don't have the date right now. But according to my mom, this is the best time. I love that that she's keeping up with this South Asian mindset of being like, you know what? Quarantine <laughs> equals efficiency. Four dates in one night. <laughs> exactly. But she's not wrong. She's actually, no, that is true. I feel like so if anybody wants to go on a date with me. <laughs> That's a real reason Sonal came on the podcast as a PSA to all the single men. <laughs> yeah. Wait, have we started? Oh, yeah. Okay, great. So everybody know, just go to Sunshine Sonal and you could ask me in my direct messages. <laughs> this is to all the South Asian men out there, near and far. <laughs> I'm a lot of fun, I promise. <laughs> 
We'll do a separate bio data segment where we can all talk about our favorite qualities of Sonal. Sonal's mom can do like a little cameo. That's actually a great idea. Thank you. (laughs) I'm going to follow up on that. (laughs) Well, Sonal and Parvesh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Are you kidding? This is wonderful. We just want to go ahead and jump in. For both of you, when did you both know you wanted to become actors? Was this an ex- something that you always kind of knew from childhood on? Was there something that you experienced within the arts that made you want to be a part of it? Did your parents say you're really good at not duck? Like, how did it work? Wait, what was that reference? Good at not duck. Not duck, take duck. Not duck. Not duck. Not duck means acting. Oh, okay. We'd say, we would, my mom would say, Nachia Tapia, like dancing and singing. I wonder if that's just like, oh, he's gay. I mean, he just says Nachia Tapia. <laughs> Sonal, I will always refer to you to go first in these questions. Sonal's my, my sister, my wife, everything. So I just know that happy wife, happy life. Hey. Smart man. Smart man. Perfect. I tried. So we're clear, we're not, I'm not actually his wife. (laughs) You think that they didn't figure that out for the last five minutes? That would be the worst bio data questionnaire at the very end. And by the way, my husband's on this call. Bye. (laughs) Speaking of, I knew I wanted to become an actor after getting external validation. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, I'll be serious. But really, actually, I feel like to become an actor as a career, it was. I went to Loyola in Chicago and it was pre-med, but not because my parents wanted me to be a doctor. I wanted to be a doctor. My parents always knew I was an actor. I feel like from the womb, I came out doing Bollywood dancing. So I always knew I was kind of like an actor, but I guess it wasn't until college till that I wanted to pursue it professionally. And that was because of encouragement, I think, from my from my professors as, as well as my family and my friends. That's my real answer. <laughs> I love that, but like the the external validation thing is a real thing, though. I mean, there is a part of what we do that we want to get a sense that people are enjoying and that people are reacting to it in the way that we hope that they do. There, there's a very serious element of that. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like we get our laughs and our lessons from wherever we see them, and a lot of us see them in television and movies. So for me, it's like I, if I could be a small part of that. Because that's the yeah. thing that I, I feel like I know I can do. Like I, or that's the thing that I now have spent so many years dedicated to. If I can be a small part of that, that is, that's why I want to be an actor. Or one of the reasons. But it, has, it definitely did start with that, you know, I love performing and even doing Bollywood dance and things like that. I'd always wanted to come from my heart. And I always would say if I can affect one person here, if even one person is watching, that is that is enjoying this or that feels a little brighter after this, then that's what it's for. So that was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Parv, you got to live up to that. Let's go. I like when people laughed at me and clapped at me. (laughs) That's it. No, I, I I was a class clown being just being the other, you know, like we, it wasn't until like middle school or like end of elementary where, like the 80s where oh i'm not the only brown person you know that otherness and you know those weird questions especially being you know kid in the 80s where it was just like what's that food oh what does your house smell you know like all that i just would 
kind of distract and it just became this thing of like being the class clown and knowing that you could tell jokes and if you were funny then you wouldn't get picked on or be a target and then that just translated to like okay audition for the school play sure you know and by high school i think it became something like oh you know there's a there's an ethic to it there's a work to it it's research it's it's practicum it's craft and all of that kind of became like oh it's not just telling funny jokes or doing like ace ventura impressions it became just they <laughs> have like like what sonal alluded to like i guess the best word to describe it is storyteller because we are telling stories be it a director a writer or an actor from the caveman days all the way to you know web series animation just all these different tales especially right now when we're in this stay at home the covid-19 coronavirus lockdown it just means that like stories are being told in such different ways that isn't like live theater right now which is like my bread and butter and where i started it just comes such a long way to like no my craft is storytelling well how did you how did you practice your craft was it sitting down and watching all these ace ventura movies was it you know falling down in different ways and seeing if people would react the same or by high school it became a thing where like I was very lucky and Sonal and I both come from the suburbs, western suburbs of Chicago. And the schools were fantastic. We did eight plays and musicals a year, from freshman play to sometimes two musicals, let alone all the smaller plays. So that became my kind of work. I knew by freshman sophomore year like, no, this is what I need to study and work at. Like even if I was sick during the day from regular school, I would still come back for like play require rehearsal because i thought this is my life's work i need to just start practicing this at that age yeah and like i think to adding on to that in terms of training it's sort of everything it's in addition to life experience itself and it's also about doing as much as you can all the time well, at least for me in terms of my training i feel like it was you know from doing theater and doing show choir and then also doing readings and kind of reading scripts and breaking down sides and te- I teach acting as well it's, it's like everything every and everything is always training us not to be like even the the asian stereotype of studying and doing work but i you know my parents always said no matter what field you went into they were definitely not really keen about acting like they weren't like kick you out of the house if you chose it either but it was just kind of like gray area my parents were definitely a little bit more of the conservative mindset of like how will you make money so i just knew that in addition to natural talent timing whatever we have i did really view it from like an academic point of view like r- read about stanislavski grotowski as much as like the ace ventura comedy that you're watching austin powers film absolutely we study chekhov we study shakespeare we study we study the greats you know you it comedy and stuff comes from vaudeville it comes from theater history and and from that world and so it's important i think to explore every all the aspects because at the end of the day it's the truth we tell the truth and i think in order to tell the truth you have to kind of learn everything for us guys in the industry especially of my, my generation you know I got to LA a few years after 9/11 and I remember like certain casting directors old teachers even being like you're going to work because of like all the terrorists and brown people as bad guy roles you know however I'm 5 foot 6 on a good day so like the, you know I'm, I'm not very imposing type comedy was just kind of a big in for a lot of us 
you know, at that time, they like, oh, you know, when you need that one ethnic friend, they finally let the South Asians be in that general Asian, Black, Latino category. So I know a lot of ins for when you look like a character guy like I am, from height, nose, everything, let alone ethnicity, which, you know, we knew that that was a joke for a bit. Comedy was the in. You know, I'd love to do like, my first equity, my first equity shows in Chicago were like Romeo and Juliet at Chicago Shakespeare and Tom Stoppard's Indian Inc. But here I do like, you know, we just do multi-cams and it's just such an interesting thing of like, I get cast mainly as to like the fart joke guy. Yeah, I guess my perspective on it is different. I will say, I mean, I'm very, I will, I'm very lucky in the fact that, and I know that I'm really lucky as an Indian woman saying this, but my parents have always been super, like, too supportive, <laughs> like very, very, they've always encouraged this and they've encouraged me to be an actor and they've encouraged me to never give up and all those things. And so I think because of that, I never, I always looked at the fact that I'm Indian as an, as an advantage and not a disadvantage. Oh, Interesting. Always. I've never thought it has been a deterrent. It Maybe it has. It's very possible that it has, and it probably has, but I've never looked at it that way. I guess it's just never, it's never occurred to me until, until more recently, until more recently when like just all this stuff has, I feel like is more mainstream in terms of um, inclusion, diversity, and representation, all that. Now I'm starting to understand more, but pursuing this and growing up, I feel like I had a gift being Indian and being able to share just anything about being Indian from food to culture, to dancing, to music. And when I even moved to LA, I never, I never, I always just thought that being Indian was an advantage, but it probably, it probably wasn't. For me, it was a lot of stuff pre-outsource was, I remember old manager, old agent would be like, they'd be like, don't tell people you're gay. You won't get cast in these like ethnic specific roles. And in my mind, I'm like, oh, you're right. Cause there are no gay Indian people. It was just very fascinating. Like, I couldn't be both at the same yeah. time back then. You couldn't be gay and you couldn't be Indian, let alone a gay Indian. They, that would blow the minds of, you know, of middle America. I mean, obviously that, mind, that mindset is shifting now as, as these problems, as Sonal pointed out, are much more in the open and we're talking about them more. I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword, Like, right? do, do you guys feel that there are cons to you know, being so obvious about this stuff and there are obvious pros, but do you feel like even now you're put into maybe even more buckets than you were back then? I hate to use like the Trevor Project slogan, but like it's always getting better. I did question, I am a little worried under you know, the current presidential administration about let alone people of color, diversity, but also LGBTQIA rights. So it, it's fascinating, but the optimist in me does want to believe that it is getting better. There are more roles. I mean, I look at kids in their South Asian actors in their 20s, like they're not being told to wear a girdle or a, I was told by a manager to wear a girdle like John Travolta. Wait, did you do it though? Never. I printed out that email though and I kept it for a while. You know, like just fascinated about like an Indian manager was telling me to be less Indian, less gay. So when I do look at the people in their 20s, 30s who get to be every body shape, every type, let alone every fluid you know, non-binary form of expression, that gives me such hope and look at how far we've come. Oh, Parv, I have a question for you actually. So when you're talking about your experience, I think that that's something that people can learn from, right? As we feel like once we're in the industry, you have to say yes to everything. Do you feel like the way you stayed hopeful and kind of encouraged yourself was knowing, you know, when to say no and that it's okay to say no to certain things? 
I don't know, Nikki. I have lived a life and a career where I always used to say yes to everything. And I would tell, like, like if I went to go, like, talk at AMDA or back in Chicago at, like, a, like my alma mater or anything, like, I would tell kids, say yes to everything. Your friend has a web series. They want you to do it. Can you still make your rent? Are you still doing your day job? Then say yes. At my position in my field, like, it's very hard still to say no to things. You know, like, I really have to really hate the script, hate the people I'm working with. But at the end of the day, if the money's right or if Spielberg's asking, you know, like, just in that regard, like, I don't know. Like, I feel part of me is like, as an actor, you say yes. You don't always get to make an amazing piece of art. Not everything that you do is going to be the best thing in the world. There are very few things I won't do, like I joke, like I won't do Walmart. I won't do some things so overtly religious or dogmatic. And, you know, those are just a few things that I honestly don't think I'm powerful or strong enough, not to mention my bank account and rent check needs me to work. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up too, that, you know, you tell people from your alma mater to say yes to everything. Is that advice that you would still give? Is there any other advice that you would give for aspiring actors who are coming to you guys and asking, like, what do we do? How, how do we get into this? Don't do it. <laughs> I don't know what to tell kids in 2020. It's such a different beast now. I don't know. Like, just doing theater as we question what live the live experience will be in a year or two. It's fascinating, like, how it shifts. Like, I, I, the same thing, I don't know, like, if a 60 or 70-year-old would know how to tell a kid today, too. Like, you get your facts from your agent, and then you run over to Warner Brothers, and you go into the audition line. Now it's so different. Can we make this a character? Can we make this a new <laughs> Farvage character? Yeah, I'm 65. I work for Central Casting, and, uh, you know, I used to be a murder, she wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I have advice <laughs> when I joke, when I say don't do it, but really I think it's all figuring out also what you want. Do you want to be an actor or do, do you want to be a creator? Do you want to be an artist and why figuring out what you, what you want, why you're doing it, your purpose, that. And then if you decide, yes, there's nothing else I want to do. Let's say it is acting, but that's what I want to do. Then Find a man to support you. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. If you and if you can't find the man, like my case, dive in and work ten thousand times harder than you did yesterday, but not to become a successful actor. This is at the end of the day. This is the advice to be an actor, not to be a successful actor, not to make it. It's get good, become the best you can be for yourself. Know that you will always be learning. But know that there might not be an end result. But if you're present and if you embrace the process just for the sake of it, without having expectations, then you've achieved what you wanted to become an actor. You have to be hopefully in it for the right reasons. I think there are a lot of people who are, you know, starting YouTube channels and things like that, but they haven't necessarily learned how to act or they haven't had that life experience. They had they don't know what they want and they're just doing they're doing it to get likes and views. And I don't want to live in a world of likes and views. I would rather live in a world where there is good art. And I think that comes from people who really want to do it for the sake of doing it. As someone who works in casting, I'm always really curious to hear from actors about how you mentally balance out what producers, directors, or casting directors want versus feeling like you can play in the room with freedom mm -hmm. and create a character based on 
your decisions and your passion for the role. Mm -hmm. What is that process like for you guys? You know, like I, I go back and forth on that. Part of me is like, I want to give them what they want. So they hire me the flip where I think it's when I had the freedom to like really just do myself when I kind of don't understand the material, when I don't, when they haven't given you a full script or when I feel like, Oh God, me being like the, the FBI SWAT guy, something, you know, like physical or, you know, like a tough, I'm just going to give them my version. I feel like there's a freedom in that when you know, like you might not be the obvious choice. And then there's sometimes when I'm like, oh, they just want a dry dead pen guy for this Cheez-Its commercial. Susie Nakamura had this great phrase about casting and everything, especially for being Asian and being a person of color. She would joke, if Susie, if she walked into a room and it was like 10 other Asian American women like her, she'd be like, okay, I got a 10% chance on this. She would joke, like if she went into a room and it was like, 80 year old black men or like 20 year old like white girls for this part she'd be like i've got a 50 percent chance so i think it's fascinating that like sometimes when you are the other or the like the you know like kirtana like the non-typical choice you have a very good chance of it because the fact that like the office brought you in anyway and i think that that's where i like the freedom of voiceover because people of color, regardless, like you can be anything. You can be a rock, you can be an idea, you, let alone being like, you know, a middle schooler or an elementary school kid. You know, it just opens up so much work and character and you're just using this one part of your storytelling toolkit, your voice. And that's why we love you guys on Mirror Royal Detective because you guys play multiple characters. I know you have a couple of recurring bits as well, but you know, you really get to be so many different people and so many different voices and just so many different characters. Yeah, we've had freedom. And even with Mira, they've been very specific about not putting on, you know, the typical or just the Western idea of what a South Asian Indian accent is. Yeah. They, especially with kids, you know, like young kids listening. I get, you know, like our producers, Sasha Paladino, Becca Topol, they mentioned that you know, we want it to be authentic. If you are Iqbal Thiba or Mother Joffrey G, you know, like they're all, they all recur on the show too. And they obviously have their different, you know, Iqbal's Karachi accent, Mother G's, you know, accent, because she's, you know, our everyone's grandma, Nani in a sense. But I'm not putting on anything. We don't make ourselves sound anything than what we are. So that's also been free. Like we just get to live as people who happen to be South Asian, even within the world of, yeah. That's so funny because I'm pretty sure my imitation of an Indian accent is not how my parents sound at all. It is how Apu sounds. Sure. And that's what I was raised to think. That's how Indian people sound, even though my own parents didn't sound like that. And we, I remember when The Simpsons, Apu, when all that came, like, I remember being like trying to do an Apu accent as well to make people laugh, you know? And then getting all those questions like from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, let alone to the Simpsons, like, do you guys eat monkey brains? I feel terrible I, in the sense that I never experienced those kinds of things. But the one thing I did experience was not having a cartoon that represented South Asians. And now with Mira, yeah, it's amazing because it, it's true. It authentically captures so much of the traditions of India and in Indian-ness, all of it. Now, you know, 
my friends who don't really get what I do will know what I do in terms of being Indian, you know, just about, oh, yes, we love food. We love joy. We love we love music, all those things. And now they'll get it. But what's special about Mira is that it's also it's it's about a strong, empowered young girl who happens to be Indian and she helps her family and friends and community, but she does it out of the goodness of her heart and she leads with kindness. So what's cool about Mira is that it appeals to people of all backgrounds, not just Indian people. It really represents love and joy. And those are, I hope, are universal themes. You hit the nail on the head where we didn't have this show growing up. And I don't look backwards a lot. You know, I, I do, I'm looking at backwards a lot right now, I guess, being at home, nesting. So I've been in this little bit of a reflective space where a lot of the things that I talked about, you know, being the old man here, grandpa, that, you know, what I had in the 80s and the jokes and even the sense that I had to be the class clown because I was other or brown. Look at how many kids won't be questioned weird, these weird questions of like, what's a samosa? You know, like they'll know. Samosas, soggy samosas like in Mira. I'm going to try one. You know, I want that kid, not what I grew up with, but like that's gross and weird and not bologna sandwiches, you know. What I do really love, you know, the mouse house about this, that Disney has given a lot of opportunity to so many different cultures. And just think of how many kids, I think like Sonal's niece and nephew, let alone all of our friends who've got children under like five or three or two, you know, like they're going to grow up this show and they're going to feel a part. When they buy those Mira dolls and journals, they're going to have their princess in a sense. I know it's not a princess show, but when you see yourself, that representation that matters, I just feel like it's going to be so huge. And it will, I hope that the things that I said, you know, Debbie Downer Parv at the beginning about my growing up and everything, like, I hope that that's erased and eradicated for like all these kids growing up who get to be like, I want to be a voiceover actor, like the kids on Mira. Like, I, that's my hope with this show. Well, I also love that Mira, our first thing wasn't a princess. You know, the first Indian cartoon like this, she's a badass detective who works for the freaking queen. That's who we get. Absolutely. Well, and just, just for people who may not know and may not have checked out the show yet, which they will after listening to this. Hey! <laughs> who who are you guys uh, voicing on the show right now? Well, we play Manish and Poonam, which we are basically the bum the bumbling bandits. So we show up every every couple episodes and you in some kind of disguise, and we'll steal something, and we're really bad at it, and we always get caught by the wonderful Mia. I will say that you guys at least always from what I've seen so far, have gotten to the point where you have the object that you want in hand. At least you're like this close, you know, before you get foiled. I just, I really want to like, I, I want to throw out a Scooby-Doo reference. I mean, like there's so many times at the end of our record where I just want to say like, and we would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky kid. <laughs> it has that kind of likeness to it that does make me smile. We're not evil they're just like naughty, mischievous, bending the rules, seeing how far they can take it. Like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of recording voices, do you guys have any funny rituals that you do before you record? Yeah, Sony, what do you do? Uh, I dance around my apartment, but it's not a ritual. That's just what I do. No, I dance too. I feel like you need to get that movement. I do like, I feel like mine is very modern and very modern, very Martha Graham, very jazz. 
That is a top-notch reference. Thank you. <laughs> I also, I mean, I since I live alone, I'll I'll often call my parents on my way to the recording just because they make me laugh and then I'm connecting with other humans before getting to the session too. <laughs> but well, Sono, after this episode airs, you might not be living alone for long, am I right? I hope so. <laughs> you guys, if it's an early morning record, which no one likes, you know, but we get them sometimes, I honestly will just like start reading things in my apartment. Like I'll just read things like everywhere, like online resources for Valley Village or sea salt kale chips, you know? <laughs> I want to add an addendum to something. It's something from a long time ago, but I was just thinking about it and just, you know, <laughs> in terms of this business and how hard it is, I just want to say, because this is important, I I waitressed for seven, what, seven or eight years. And then I've also been simultaneously, even now, I'm a math tutor. And I've never, like, my point is that don't be afraid of having to have the side hustles. And right. that's my addendum. And that and that is okay. And if you are, and you kind of have to be okay with it too. Because that will also take pressure off from, I have to book this job because I need it. We should want to, you know, as opposed to because it's right. So that's that's an addendum for something from before. That's all. And in terms of me or Royal Detective, you mentioned my niece and nephew, Parvesh. I, yeah. I agree. It's like, I just, I want to be, you know, I want to be an inspiration for them. I want them and I want to be part of that. Representation does matter. And for us to be a part of this show, it's, it's for the, it's Rohan and Ashna are, are my niece and nephew, but it's for all the children, the Indian children and children who are not Indian watching and per, on a personal level. Yeah. For me, for them, it's, that's what, I mean, keeps me going for sure. And so no, I'm, I'm kind of glad you made that addendum because that is so important. I think a lot of people who want to be actors and actresses, they believe that, you know, if you don't get that first audition, then it's just not there. Like, it's just not going to happen for you. But, you know, acting is another form of art. You've got to learn. You have, there's technique. You have to read. You have to study. Um, there's, there, there are things you can do. One thing I tell my students a lot is putting, start putting yourself on tape, even doing monologues or whatever. Put, find, find a set of sides, put yourself on tape every day and every day watching, asking yourself, do I believe this person? And is it interesting? You know, and also just getting used to being in front of the camera, being in front of the lens and showing up and being vulnerable in that way. And it helps you because that's the least, that's a technicality that can be practiced and practiced out meaning then you can start showing up more as yourself the more you're used to the camera being there. How is everyone doing, like, let alone obviously we're working, we're doing, you know, we're doing this interview, but, like, is everyone, even with the stay-at-home stuff, like, what is, like, one thing that everyone's doing? I don't feel like I'm doing as much as you are or other people are right now. Well, that's okay, though, because at the end of the day, this is a, we are in a global pandemic, and we're all going to react differently to the situation, and it's okay to honor... I, I think for me, it's honoring wherever, like wherever I'm at on the day. If I feel like crying today, I cry. If I feel like watching 13 episodes of Scandal, I'll do that. I, I definitely feel like I feel the weight of what is happening. And I'm really sad about it. And in, in terms of how it's affecting people with the illness, people's families who have, of people who are getting the illness, and also just people who are, who are, have lost everything and have, are really just having a hard time. But that, that's giving me just so much more, I hate to use the word, but gratitude for, for my current situation. But I think a lot of our current situations, 
we have a home to be sheltered at, we're already ahead of the curve. And it's, yeah. I think, important to focus on that gratitude because we're all in it together. Well, yeah. And I mean, that's the, that's the, big, the biggest way that we can help people is to stay at home. There's a lot we can do at home. There's a lot that we can that we can keep busy with, you know? You can start a podcast. <laughs> you can start a podcast. You can watch all of Mira Royal Detective. <laughs> really though, like if you want if you want to feel happy in this time, I can't recommend Mira Royal Detective enough. I mean, it's just like it's like feeling you're at home. I mean, we Kirith and I talk about us all the time, just basic things like saying all the aunties' names correctly, seeing a plate of sweets, like seeing everyone sing songs that aren't like about poverty and the things that are people are so quick to associate with what it means to be Indian. It's it's just it reminds you what's also so beautiful about our culture. Like South Asian culture in its simplest form is just so beautiful and is so welcoming mm-hmm. and is so warm. And that's it's joy. Joy. Yeah. It's celebration. They really show the world that they want to be. You know, we know that there's some conservatives or like, you know, right wingers who might not like a diverse, different group of people. But the fact that these shows have shown like, even within Mira, the fact that they have Muslim and Sikh kids, you know, like with with the Juras, they don't have to talk about it. But just that now, like a Sikh kid named Gurpreet in Toronto is going to see himself on screen. It just makes it makes for such a lovely way of how you want the world. It really, the show really represents love and it's, and being like captained by Sastra Palladino and Becca Topol, they've done such an amazing job of keeping it authentic and bringing um, such good writing. And then the music, it'll make you, anyone who watches, it'll make, it'll, I feel like it'll make people want to dance. Like I get, I get texts and messages from my friends with their kids singing, we're on the case. Oh my gosh, I I do that all the time with Kirtana. Every once in a while, we'll just text each other, Mira, 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 Mira. <laughs> or I'll be like, I'm making a sandwich, making sandwich, making sa-. like you just like you like just add you add the song to your life. Yeah, I, I do it when I'm walking my dog. I'm like beans on the case, beans on the case. <laughs> and bringing it back to what you said, Parv, about the little kid in Toronto, Gurpreet, who might be watching the show. Just a quick shout out to Gurpreet, because if he's got a single uncle, maybe we want to set him up with Sona. <laughs> <laughs> Way to bring it back. Way to bring it back. Thank you for thank you for having me on this podcast for, so I can spread my agenda. Well, Parv and Sono, thank you so, so much for you know talking to us and taking time out of your day to talk to us about this is beautiful show that you have both, you know, you're both a part of. And I, I just can't stress this enough. There's so there's such a need for this kind of content in the world right now. And so I highly encourage everybody listening to go watch Mira Royal Detective and, and Sonal and Parv, you're just two of the most beautiful people in the world. So thank you for being a part of it and, and promoting it as much as you can. Oh, thank you. You are both beautiful. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, ladies, thank you so much for what you two are doing also for our culture. It's just sometimes like even when I like wonder about like, how is the future going everything? We have people like you two to be like, all right, it's not so bad. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. We love y'all. On that note. On that note.
listen to this podcast and watch Mirror Royal Detectives. <laughs> and date Sono. And date me. <laughs> the three lessons for today. <laughs> The chat room is hosted by me, Nikita Manon, and me, Kirtana Sastri, in partnership with Brown Girl Magazine. Consulting producers are Pallavi Sastri and Nihar Sinha. All podcast artwork is created by Ashwarya Sukesh, and opening music is by Sridhar Bhamani Pandey. Special thanks to Trisha Sukujawalia. Please subscribe to the chat room on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. Thanks for tuning in.